Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington on the Soundcasting Network, this is Physical Culture Radio. I am your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook. What we're going to talk about is, uh, do you have to have strength gains in order to gain muscle size? And this is an interesting topic. A lot of people are talking about it lately. And the reason why it's so interesting is people have come, and I've even come full circle on this topic, and there's been a number of reasons why. So in the past, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when we were driving iron in the 90s and early 2000s, and even in the 80s when a lot of us got started, there's always been power lifters and bodybuilders, but there's been a general consensus that you have to get a muscle stronger to proceed size gain. So a stronger muscle will in turn be a bigger muscle. And to a certain extent, you're, you're going to take, you're going to look at some guys that are the strongest guys in the world, big old strong Olympic lifters and football players are generally speaking big guys at first glance and kind of how bodybuilders uh, started training on the heels of a lot of 90s bodybuilders like Ronnie Coleman and Dorian Yates and a lot of people across the board. Everybody tried to get really strong. And with a lot of bodybuilders were even kind of like quasi powerlifting too. So so they'd powerlift to get really strong and then they'd be able to do reps with more weight um, to induce that hypertrophy, i.e. what Ronnie Coleman did and um, the heavy duty training, the Mike Menser approach and Dorian and um, Arthur Jones that uh, popularized getting stronger and doing one set to failure um, in a certain amount of reps, like under 12 to 10 to eight reps, even as far down as six, and then maximizing some intensity techniques, but, but progressively overloading and getting stronger in the process as a means to an end to get a bigger muscle and then eat a shit ton of food. And that hasn't changed at all. You still have to eat a bunch to get bigger. But what has changed my approach and what the general consensus of a lot of people approaches these days in coaching and coaching bodybuilders is I think everybody looks at um, the longevity of some of the past bodybuilders and everybody looks at, at Ronnie Coleman now as an example of what not to do. Unfortunately, the eight time Mr. Olympia has had several back surgeries. He can barely fucking walk now. He was the biggest and the, and the baddest, probably bodybuilder, arguably ever. So he was he's kind of the goat. The problem is he can't walk now. And he pushed his body so hard and so far and hit his genetic you know, ceiling with what he could do. But he did so progressively overloading the body as he was a football player and a college football player, and then he was powerlifting and then he got into bodybuilding and kind of never gave up the going super duper heavy thing, but was able to achieve a lot of muscle mass uh, in that time, a crazy amount of size. And a lot of bodybuilders followed suit for a number of decades because, you know, and before him in the early nineties, it was Dorian who was going heavy as shit. And then he tore a bicep and tore a few different things on his body. And what they found was, look, 
we don't need to continually beat the crap out of our bodies and get so much stronger that our joints can't handle it. And then later on, we have all these back problems and knee problems. Because let, Let's face it. If you look at any professional athlete, if you look at football players, if you look at basketball players, if you look at anybody has done anything for 20 to 30 years of their life at a high competitive level and lifting weights is not excluded from this. Generally speaking, you're going to get some degenerative conditions in the joints. At some point when you get older, the toll of training and the toll that you impart on your body to be the best at whatever you're trying to be the best at years later will rear its ugly head in the form of arthritis or, you know, a bunch of torn tendons and torn muscles. And I think a lot of the coaches in the last 10 years have, have sought out to find ways to train the body where you don't necessarily have to get stronger to get bigger. Now, with that said, there is a point where when you lift weights, the first thing you're going to have, first thing the body is going to do is called a neuromuscular adaptation. So basically what that means is your nerves, your connective tissue, how your muscles fire and tell the body to lift whatever you're lifting and whatever different lift you're, you're, you're doing, you know, compound lifts, different lifts. The first adaptations that the body makes are neuromuscular. So it learns how to do that efficiently, those patterns. So a pattern, if it's bench pressing or if it's squatting, your, your body develops the pattern to learn how to do that effectively. And that's going to get you stronger. Then as you are working within rep ranges and training the body, recovering, eating, your body's going to start adapting to the stressor by getting a bigger muscle. Generally speaking, even some power lifters and Olympic lifters, you're, you're going to gain a certain amount of size. They're, they're a little muscly dudes. It's not like there's a bunch of skinny guys that, and there are some really strong power lifters and Olympic lifters, but these guys have an appreciable amount of muscle mass. You look at football players, you look at a lot of different people, a lot of sports, and you look at a lot of different athletics across the board where, you know, decades before, you know, they said lifting weights is bad for basketball. Lifting weights is bad for baseball. And then in the 90s, you get these guys like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and all these guys that are jacking 70 home runs a year. They lift a lot of weights and they're getting big in the weight room. And it's correlating to more power, you know, behind the plate and being able to hit home runs, a stronger bigger football player, he's going to impose himself in tackling and blocking and shedding tackles better than a smaller counterpart or somebody smaller in that same position. So across the board, you have people from all sports. I mean, golf, tennis, people lift weights and everything to get better at that sport now. But you don't necessarily have to be lifting power lifter weights and get so strong that you're developing your, your absolute strength and, and training in the five and under rep scheme and getting your one rep max up 
and training in doubles and triples like Olympic lifters and powerlifters do to get bigger. So one of the things where I discovered this, and I was a hard hit for a while, when I hit my mid forties, I kind of had life hit me upside the head with a bunch of injuries. And what I think uh, partially happened, well, it might've been, you know, lack of sleep and being stressed about different things in life. But if you keep trying to train heavy after several decades of, of lifting, a couple of things can happen. Nothing can happen. You can get bigger and everything is fine. You have no arthritis. You have no tendonitis. And you're just a genetic freak that can get away with that kind of stuff. But then there's the other side of the coin, the bad shit that can happen and the bad shit that does happen to a lot of people. And what that bad shit is, is you develop overuse injuries. You start tearing things, things like hip flexors and triceps and pecs. And these things will just pop on you, maybe because you're not fully recovered, maybe because you're going too heavy, maybe because mechanically your body doesn't want to lift certain lifts and it kind of stresses it out. Now, everybody's going to be a little bit different when it comes to genetic differences and the variances we have with our connective tissue. Some people are going to be built more for strength and we'll have an easier time getting stronger. Some people won't. But you can get bigger in a lot of different ways. If you increase the intensity techniques, and I'm gonna go over some of those, rather than just trying to get stronger and lift more weights heavier, you can get an appreciable amount of size with both. So my coaches, John Meadows and Chris Edmonds, are big volume guys and they used to lift real heavy. You know, John Meadows was a Louis Simmons guy and a power lifter. And anybody knows the West Side Barbell guys, they go until shit breaks. And uh, like me, uh, they, John started his bodybuilding career kind of as a power lifter and lifting a lot of heavy weights through that system. But then over the years, he's developed his own style. And I came into contact with his style about five years ago when I was lifting with Mark Dugdale, who is an IFBB pro, who used to follow the heavy duty system. And then he started having some things go wrong with his body, wanted to resurrect his pro career and look to John to a training program that would help him continue to make improvements without becoming injured in the process as he was, you know, approaching his 40s and he had never won a pro show before. And so John tutored him into this style where you train volume and keep intensity high, but the weights aren't super high. And you do a lot of, you know, giant sets and supersets and drop sets and things like this to totally tax the muscles without taxing the joints and going super duper heavy, if that makes sense to you guys. So I, and I was a little bit of a hard head when I came in touch with this. I still thought strength gains precede size and you got to get stronger before you get bigger. And I was a little reluctant just to be quite honest to, to do this myself. But after a while and, and through watching these people, 
I started studying, you know, you looked at the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and you look at the Jay Cutlers. Jay Cutler was a really strong dude, but he didn't, you don't ever see Jay Cutler and videos of him squatting 800 pounds or 700 pounds. He would take four plates and 455 and a Smith machine, rep the shit out of it and call it good and use high intensity techniques on the leg press and different things to tax his muscles. But he did try to push his strength. And I'm sure Jay Cutler probably could have squatted seven, 800 pounds and been, been, you know, just about as strong as Ronnie, maybe not as strong, but point is he never did that. And for the most part remained injury free. I think he had a little bicep issue in one of his preps. I don't know what he was doing, but he had a little bicep problem. But when you're that big and you're training at that level, um, you know, sometimes things can happen. So when I started training uh, under the mountain dog system, I was given these programs and most of the programs weren't emphasizing doing anything. At the very minimum, you would do six reps at the very least. And they really didn't even like you training at six a whole lot. It was more eight to 10 to 12 reps. But then you'd impart these techniques. One of them that's a really cool technique that a lot of bodybuilders are doing these days that I really like to do, it's called cluster sets. With a cluster set, what you're doing, it's kind of like a rest pause in a way. So Dorian Yates used to do these rest pause sets where he would get, let's say, four to six reps or maybe six to eight reps on a movement, let's say incline barbell press. Then he would pause 20 to 30 seconds, take four or five big deep breaths and crank out a couple more reps and have a spotter, maybe do a couple spotted reps. So he would get eight to 10 to 12 reps, but they wouldn't all be at the first you know, set because it was really heavy and he was pushing himself. So how you take cluster sets now is you take something that you can do eight to 10 times and you leave a couple in the tank. You leave a couple reps in the tank. So you're not completely going to failure, but then you take 20 to 30 seconds and then you do two to four more reps. And then you take another 20 to 30 seconds, five or four or five big deep breaths. And then you do another four or five reps. And you can repeat this two to three times within one set in this cluster set and completely tax the muscle without taking any real heavy weight to failure. Because remember, you're doing something that you can do eight to 10 to 12 times and you're leaving a couple in the tank. And then you're maximizing that by continuing to do these little cluster sets until you go to failure or around failure. So that's one example. The other example is a giant set. And with a giant set, you're going to have a lot of different exercises. Let's say you're doing a push day. So you're doing a push day and you're going to have an incline dumbbell. You're going to do incline dumbbell and then you're going to do stretch push-ups. And then you're going to do spider crawls up, up the wall with a band. And then you're going to do lateral raises. And you're going to do that in a giant set. And you're going to repeat that four or five times through. So you're doing all push muscles, i.e. chest, shoulders, and triceps. And every exercise is working some of those kind of in a different manner. But it's all taxing the same thing you're trying to tax at once. So instead of just taking that incline barbell or dumbbell, as heavy as you freaking can, 
you're going to train three or four different exercises in a giant set fashion to be able to do the same thing and get the same elicited amount of stressor on these muscles to elicit the growth that you want without going as heavy. And, and then you can also do drop sets. So I'm a big proponent of cluster sets and giant sets and drop sets. And in drop sets, you just take a weight and you immediately drop it. And then you do more reps, immediately drop it and do more reps. So you don't have that pause that you do with the cluster set. You just drop and go and drop and go and drop and go. And you do usually do two or three. You don't have to do this on all sets, guys. So I'm going to give you an example of how you work up to this. So if you take a movement, like let's say you're doing a overhead press, a shoulder overhead press. It doesn't matter if it's machine or dumbbell or barbell. It doesn't That's irrelevant. And you warm up with that and, and you do your warm up sets. Then you get into working sets where you work up in weight. So it's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more challenging. You're doing that eight in between eight and 12 reps. Then you get to that last working set. Let's say it's three in your third working set after the feeder sets on that third one or fourth one, you're, you're going to let, let's say you do 150 pounds. Then you're going to do drop it and do 120 pounds. Then you're going to drop it, do 100 pounds, drop it once more, do 80 pounds. On the subsequent sets after that first one where you're doing 8 to 12 reps, you're going to try to continue to get, you know, 8 to 10 reps on your drop sets. It's going to be hard, which is why you keep drop, dropping the weight. This is a high intensity technique that works, but you're not going to want to do it on all of your work sets. It's, this is something you work up to and do on your on your last working set or maybe the last two working sets for any given muscle group. And I think you know when I started working out with Mark he was showing me all this and I used to work out with him decades before when he got his pro card and even almost 10 years before that when he was just starting as an amateur and we were all training as heavy as we could we were taking these weights as heavy as we could, doing side laterals with as much weight as you possibly could. And now, and then when I started working out with him in 2015, he'd completely switched his philosophy. His philosophy was these cluster and giant and drop sets. And at first, when you've grown up doing the strength gains precede size and you're into that strength thing, you get very dogmatic in your approach. And this is the way I have to get stronger to get bigger. And then there's the ego thing that we fuck ourselves with in our mind where you think you have to lift a certain amount of weight to get the muscle bigger. But in this past year from actually 2017 when I was on stage to 2019 when I was on stage, I put on about 10 pounds of muscle and I didn't lift heavy at all. So the way my joints are now from 15 years of football and powerlifting and jiu-jitsu and bodybuilding, I can't, I can't do the heavy squats. I can't do the heavy compound lifts. I can't do, you know, 150 pound dumbbells and press them. I, I can do 150s for one arm rows and some different things, but I'm, I don't press the weight that I used to, but I put on 10 pounds of size. So 10 pounds of size 
you know, in your late 40s is nothing to be scoffed at. How did I do that? I did that with food and I did that with training and it wasn't training as heavy as I possibly could. There's a part of me that still wants to go heavy. Part of me is still kind of, kind of wants to push a certain amount of weight and think if you push a certain amount of weight, you know, or a certain amount of reps, you know, invariably you are going to get bigger if you take a heavier weight for more reps and get your muscles stronger. That is a way to do it. The problem is there's so much risk, inherent risk in continuing to lift like that, especially if you're a guy or a gal in their 30s and 40s and you're a master's level competitor and um, you've been lifting or you've done athletics for decades as a kid. Most people have grown up in some kind of sport. So you got to be real careful. For me, at this point, it's about longevity. And I want to get better show to show. I don't want to just beat the crap out of myself and wait for another injury to happen because I've had two shoulder surgeries, some rotator cuff stuff, and that possibly is football and grappling and some different things that I did, not just bodybuilding. But I directly, I directly had a tricep tear, long head of my tricep tear in 2016 because of just trying to go too heavy and not, not listening and not paying attention to my body. And it's, that leads me into another thing altogether. As far as listening to your body, another thing is your body will give you feedback. It'll give you cues to the shit it likes and to the shit it doesn't like. A lot of people talk about instinctive training and doing what's right for them. And you can't do what's right for, you know, X, Y, Z bodybuilders because you're not X, Y, Z bodybuilder. You have to pay attention to how your joints feel. You have to pay attention to your recovery. If you're going heavy and pushing your body and training everything two to three times a week, and you're building up massive amounts of tendonitis behind this training, don't fucking do it. Stop, evaluate what you're doing, cut back the training from three to two times or from two times to one time, or cut the volume, cut the intensity, cut the weight, figure out how to tax the muscles in the best manner to be able to elicit that stressor on it, to be able to make it to grow without listening, you know, a bunch of uh, joint issues and tendonitis and, and arthritis and things like that. Because as we get older, it doesn't matter if, you know, there's some people that never work out and just get degenerative joints. So you see a lot of people have never been into working out and have bad knees or a bad hip or a bad back or bad posture. Lifting weights can alleviate and actually help all those conditions help from getting osteoporosis in the first place, help from getting muscle wasting. You know, a lot of the age-related shit that we have to incur can be offset by eating and training, but you have to listen to your body in the process. You can't just go through it and, and well, this is what I want to do, and this is, I you know, I want to do some powerlifting or lift heavy as shit when you've been doing other things to your body for two or three decades. So it's not a smart approach or a plan. There are easier ways and better ways to skin a cat. So listen to your body, take control of your training, take 
ownership of your training. Do what you need to do to elicit growth, but listen to your body. Listen to the cues that it's giving. Have somebody work a diet for you and work on your nutrition, work on your training. Some people can recover quicker than others. As we get older, generally speaking, you have to have more rest days and not train as higher volume as you did when you were younger because you're just not going to recover as fast in your 40s as you did in your 20s. The nice thing about being in your 20s is you can just beat the crap out of yourself and go have drinks every weekend and probably still work out and get stronger without any deleterious effects. But you do that in your 40s and you're not lifting anywhere near your capacity for four or five days after having a couple drinks because your body can't process that alcohol the way it did in its 20s. It's not as efficient. So what makes you think that it's going to be as efficient in lifting heavy weights as it was 20 years ago? It's not. It's not. So listen to your body. Try to make sense of what you're doing. It'll give you cues. It'll give you feedback. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on Facebook. Um, I'm here to help. Uh, and, and you can learn from my mistakes because I've made a lot of them over the years. But as I've learned, I've gained knowledge and I've gotten smarter about my training. My coaches have helped me a lot with this. Uh, working out with Mark Degdale's helped me a lot with this. And we've gotten out of this old paradigm of thinking how, you know, you just have to get stronger to get bigger. So thanks for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio. I'm Greg Jones. I'm out.